From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. I'm Paul Kromposky, sitting in for Tammy Katzoff. In each episode of this podcast, we talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Jeremy Menard, class of 2012, television and radio operations manager for the Roy H. Park School of Communications at Ithaca College, which includes ICTV, WICB-FM, and Vic Radio. I spoke with Jeremy via teleconference, and as we do with all of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when he became interested in his occupation. So I've always had an interest in radio. I'm a lifelong radio junkie, and a lot of my interest, my original interest, really started with sports radio. I grew up outside the Capital Region in Albany, New York, and uh, growing up in that area, I am still a diehard New York Mets fan, and I have really fond memories of listening to the New York Mets on the radio with my father, and I remember um, kind of my aha moment, I want to do this type of radio moment. Um, We were outside of Cooperstown, and we had just gone to the Baseball Hall of Fame. My father and I, we were in the car, and I remember listening to a Mets game on the radio, and it happened to be a playoff game. And Todd Pratt, who is a backup player, not one of the stronger New York Mets, um, he's kind of known for this big play, but hit a home run uh, against the Arizona Diamondbacks that pushed the Mets into the 1999 NLCS. And listening to the play-by-play call, listening to the details, and sitting in the car with my father, but feeling like we were at the game and that we could feel the, the emotion of the crowd. And when I listen to that and I think back on it, that was kind of my aha moment because I love the fact that we were miles and miles and miles away from the game, but it felt like we were right there because of what the radio broadcaster was doing. And I just thought that was awesome. And from kind of that moment on, I started looking more into sports broadcasting, whether it was radio, television, Like, what can I do being a big sports fan? What can I do to make a career out of talking about it? And, and hopefully people want to hear it. And so as I got older, I started doing a lot more public speaking, a lot more voice work, looking at the different avenues to get on radio and television to talk about sports. What did you do before you got to where you are now? So when I uh, set foot on Muhlenberg's campus, the first thing I did was figure out how can I get on WMUH? Um, I don't think I really slept much of that first week of classes. Instead, I made my way over to the studios. I met Joe Swanson, who was the general manager at the time. Uh, I was put in touch with the station manager at the time. And I just remember immediately being told about the process of making a demo tape and learning the board. And it told me something along the lines of, it'll take you X amount of days. We're going to start training next week. And I just remember saying, looking back on, it, I guess it was pretty gutsy for a, a first year student, but saying, no, I want to start now. Like, what do I do? Like, let's just, like, why are we burning daylight? Let, let's just get this going. And within one or two days on campus, I recorded my demo tape, which was a music show of, it was actually funny. I can't believe I'm admitting this. Um, I was hoping it would, would uh, kind of die with the show itself, but it was called Wang Chung's Grab Bag because I started every show by playing a song from the band Wang Chung. And then it was a grab bag of other songs from the 80s. And uh, it was a one hour show Wednesday mornings, but to do the demo tape, I put together this weird hodgepodge of music. Um, It was amazing. It was just an amazing feeling, but I didn't sleep. I just, I need to get this demo tape. I wanted to find out if I got approved. I went through the training 
And within about 10 days, I was on the air hosting a show. And I was the first first year student to get approved. Um, that would have been the fall of 2008. And it, it was like I was walking on clouds. The rest, it was just amazing. Um, needless to say, I was 15 minutes late to my first shift. So I didn't get off to a great start, but it was, it was a really great experience. And um, while I was on WMUH, I did some, uh, I wasn't consistently a music DJ, but I filled in at least once or a couple times a month to, to host a music show. But I hosted a, a, a three hour sports talk show. It was Tuesday evenings for a little bit, then Wednesday evenings for a little bit with a friend of mine. Um, and then also was the sports director of the station, men's and women's basketball, uh, also did some soccer broadcasts as well. Um, so after my four years at Muhlenberg, I had a lot of tape, a lot of experience, but I still felt that I needed some more experience before I was truly ready to start applying to jobs in a very, very, very competitive sports broadcasting field. So after Muhlenberg, uh, I opted um, to study and receive my master's in broadcast and digital journalism uh, with an emphasis on sports at the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University. While I was there, I was really active on both of their student radio stations, uh, WAER, which is an NPR affiliate, but has a student um, sports department, and WJPZ Z89, which is a student-run station. So I was, once again, very involved with sports radio there. Um, also did some internships, and, but part of the curriculum at Syracuse was also really heavy on uh, news coverage and television and radio and, and anchoring and creating packages. And um, so I, I received a pretty good understanding of also um, television and reporting and news coverage. So um, between my experiences at both colleges, um, I feel like I, I received a pretty, pretty broad understanding of broadcasting in general, television, radio, production, producing, um, marketing, sales. Um, and from there, uh, my first job out of Syracuse was at um, WPIEAM, uh, which transitioned to ESPN Ithaca uh, with, an, with a AM and FM signal in Ithaca, New York. And it's uh, an ESPN radio affiliate. And I was there as their operations manager. Kind of held a lot of roles. Um, being small market radio, it was operations manager, their programming director, webmaster, uh, internship supervisor, on-site engineer, and I also hosted their afternoon talk show as well. And I was there for about four and a half years before going up to Ithaca College in my current role. Can you explain a little more about your current work focus? And I know there's not a typical day, but is there a typical day? Well, I think that's what makes uh, my job so fun and also challenging and rewarding at the same time is there really isn't a typical day. I mean, a lot of time is spent because this is more of an admin role than necessarily an on-air broadcast side where I still get to do that uh, from time to time. A big part of the job is sending out emails, setting up meetings. Um, more than anything else, it's just keeping an ear to the ground and listening to all the content and watching all the content to see where can I step in? What advice can I offer? Um, there's a couple keys to broadcasting in my opinion. One of them is repetition. It's just doing it over and over and over again. But um, a big part of going with repetition is also receiving advice and mentorship. Um, I have a lot of mentors from my time at Muhlenberg. Uh, Joe Swanson, the GM comes to mind. Um, Neil Heaver, who is the operations manager at WDIY and, and a Muhlenberg alum. He was my internship supervisor when I interned there as a senior. Um, Tim Murray, who's now a national sports radio host, 
He was a senior when I was a first year student and he's gone on to have quite a bit of success. So when you're doing, when you're broadcasting and you're on the air, it's also important to just ask them, Hey, how did it sound? What can I do better next time? Do you think I was, was, did I structure this properly? And, and that's kind of what I try to do in my role. While there's a lot of emails and paperwork and meetings, and there's a lot of structure that we have to the, the different, um, the radio and TV stations at Ithaca College, a big part is just trying to be as present as possible. And with all the students who are going through all these repetitions is in all these reps is making sure that I'm there as a mentor and making sure that I'm there to simply lend a hand and help as much as possible. At Ithaca, a lot of the students who are involved in these stations, they have aspirations of, of entering the industry after graduation, whether it's as a television anchor or a reporter or as a sports talk show host or a play-by-play broadcaster or a music DJ or a production director or a, a account executive. They have aspirations of getting into the field. And from my kind of unique background of doing TV and radio and doing small market and also interviewing and and doing so many different things. Uh, A lot of my time is listening to the stations, offering advice, restructuring. Hey, let's try something different. Um, Watching the shows on ICTV and maybe we can touch up the lighting here a little bit. Let's know, know what, let's get you a new desk. Let's try some different things. What if you had the contestants come out this side of the studio as opposed to this side, just little things like that, that we can do to make it a little bit stronger, but then also, allow them to think through it a little bit more so that then they are doing it without my assistance. That's kind of the the whole part of it. Just recently uh, at the uh, CBI conference in St. Louis in October, you guys walked away with some awards for what you're doing. So you're doing something right up that way. What they're doing at Ithaca College, I think the, the structure of the student media at Ithaca College is one of the reasons that attracted me to the job is because all of their student media organizations, WICBFM, once again, the FCC licensed radio station on campus, uh, BIC Radio, which is an online radio station, and then also ICTV, in addition to the student newspaper and a few other organizations, they're referred to as co-curriculars on campus, and they're housed within the School of Communications. And the reason they're called co-curriculars is because they work so closely with the curriculum that's being taught in the classroom. So, For instance, ICTV, we have access to two television studios uh, Sunday through Thursday when we do all of our productions for the week. And uh, the the TV station is on the air Sunday through Thursday from 6.30 to 11. And it streams on the website and uh, on our website, ICTV.org, but also on the local educational cable access channel in town. We have over 20 shows in production each semester. That's a lot. We have over 450 students who are involved in the organization. While some are from outside of the Park School Communications, a lot of them are television radio majors or cinema and photo or uh, involved in some other aspect, journalism within the Park School Sports Media. And they're learning a lot of the different things in the classroom. Then they get to walk into the studios in the evening. And a lot of the production courses are taught in the studios as well. So not only are they receiving the, the instruction during the day, in the evening, the professors leave and they are then able to take what they learned and put it into practice. So because of that, uh, we're lucky to have the success that we have. Uh, a lot of it is from obviously the students are outstanding, hardworking and dedicated and reliable. The support we receive from the Dean's office and the administration of the park school. And of course the college as a whole, but a lot of it also comes down as to the structure and the fact that they're learning a lot of it. They go into the studios and they're able to put it into practice and for those students who 
aren't in the park school communications. Maybe they're, we've had a station manager in the past who's a physics major, or we have one right now who's an English major, not, not receiving so many classes in the park school. Uh, we also just have kind of a tradition of peer to peer mentorship. Uh, that also is is very, very valuable. It sounds like you've got an awful lot going on up there with the number of people involved and a lot of the hands-on that has to be done to create the content that you're putting out either via video or via audio. There's a lot of hard work that goes in there. How are you guys dealing with the current situation where there's nobody on campus? Well, there are some restrictions. And that's a great question because what we're going through, I know you're going through... Uh, adapting to what's happening to make sure that WMUH is on the air and, and producing quality content. And we're trying to do the same thing. We do have some restrictions in terms of building access at this time. So uh, in terms of the television station right now, um, we're not broadcasting live streaming our weekly content uh, because we just don't have the manpower on campus and also turning on the studios and, and having someone there to actually stream the content. However, this is a great time for students to create content and post it to social media. We've been doing a lot with ICTV News, ICTV Sports, and our entertainment accounts. I guess that's a plug, right? On on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, check us out. Um, Would would you like to give the handles for that while you're at it? (laughs) Yeah, at ICTV News, at ICTV 607 is our overall account, at ICTV Sports, and at ICTV Entertainment. And of course, WICB and VIC Radio as well. But... um, a big part of it is figuring out what can we do to still pass along information? Because as you know, Paul, WMUH, ICB, all of the different stations, not only are they meant for entertainment, but at this time, information is critical. They, I always talk to students about um, media is also in many ways a public servant. You're serving the community. It's A lot of it is entertainment, but a lot of it also is uh, emergency notices using the EAS, the emergency alert system and radio stations. Um, in our case, um, it's doing updates on what is coming out, whether it's information uh, critical to Ithaca College in the campus community, whether it's updates on positive tests of the coronavirus on campus, whether it is change in classes going online for the remainder of the spring semester, whether it's notes about what's happening with study abroad programs and getting ready for the fall semester is putting those posts, still keeping them active. Maybe we can't be on the air traditionally, but those posts can still be made to social media and can still get out to a wide audience. And because they're so used to viewers are so used to already consuming our content online, they're already in the habit of going to those social media accounts for radio. It's a little bit unique per FCC license. You need to stay on the air in some way. It's a law. You have to figure out a way to stay on the air. And I know that the FCC is being a little lenient with that, especially with college broadcasters at this time. But going back to it, it's important to be there in the case of emergencies to relay information. And we're doing a lot remotely. Myself and a student are working to do some programming. And while we don't have a lot of DJs, and in fact, we don't have any DJs in the studio daily right now, we're very lucky with technology to utilize our automation system that we use, I mean, everyone uses a lot of different ones. We use a program called Zeta, which is from a, uh, an organization called RCS. And it allows us to program music and also recorded shows. We have a, a large library of archive content. We have one DJ who's recording from his living room. In fact, he's calling it the living room sessions um, in isolation, I-S-O-U-L-A-T-I-O-N. 
Uh, he hosts a reggae show every Thursday. So he's being very creative to market it and spread it on social media. Hey, I'm still putting out content, even though I'm not in the studio, check us out. And we're able to schedule it and, and let it run. If someone calls in for a request, we're not there right now, but we're still able to pass along quality content. We also, with the use of technology, our news director who is back home in Connecticut right now is recording local news updates on her, her phone using the voice memo option, is recording it, um, putting it into her computer, adding a little bit of music at the, the beginning and the end just for bumper, and then is sending it to our programming director who is then able to remotely drop it into our daily programming. And every hour we still have local news updates. Even from afar, we're still able to provide the local uh, community with news about what's happening in their local community. Um, so while it's not perfect and I would love to have our staff on campus and DJing and letting listeners know what they just heard and keeping on the air and gaining more experience, we kind of have to adapt at this time. And we're lucky with the technology that we have that we can still produce the type of content and still serve our viewers and listeners the way that we are. Yeah, I think you bring up some very important points there. Obviously, the communication, the information that we can give to the community at large is important. I know that we've gotten a number of emails, a number of phone calls saying, hey, thanks for being there because people like to be, to know that there's something that's still the same, something that is still going on. And uh, I know our listeners are very happy about that. I also know that uh, when you started as an undergraduate or when I started here as a volunteer, this stuff that we're doing right now probably was not gonna happen at the collegiate level. So we're very lucky to have the resources we do and the technology to maintain some sort of presence. I think what's also huge, and I agree with you, it's amazing now what you can do remotely. It's amazing uh, the fact that you can log into a computer remotely and that you can take someone's newscast and drop it into a log and it plays and you can do it all in real time. But I think also what we're able to do at the college level, because at a time where you hear people talk about, I don't like ever having the conversation because I, I don't think it's true, but people like to say radio is dying or that it's, that it's a medium that's on its way out. And I d disagree wholeheartedly. And because in fact, in a time like right now, it's as relevant as ever right mm -hmm. now. Um, I've also received similar messages from people saying it's like day 10 of staying at home. Uh, thank goodness that we have the radio station on, or someone says, based on your programming schedule, it's the only way that I know what day it is. Stuff like that. Cause they know every, every Wednesday morning you have a blue show, that type of thing. So it's really, really special that we can do that, but it shows that it's just as relevant as ever. And I think it's also a nod to both Ithaca college, Muhlenberg and all of the other colleges across the country that recognize the importance of college broadcasting and the importance of having a radio station and supporting it and funding it and making sure students have these opportunities so that they can learn through periods of emergency and crisis like we are having right now, but then can also have a place to be creative and to learn and to inform and be a part of something much bigger than yourself and a long tradition. And I, and I think especially uh, that's why I, I'm very proud of being an alum of WMUH work that Muhlenberg gives. Um, and then also now at Ithaca college, obviously in the challenges that we're facing, we're seeing how we can adapt and adopt 
technology and and how things are changing. But from the time you started as an undergraduate, from the time you walked in and knocked on Joe's door, the radio world was a certain way. How have you seen the changes and how do you see the technology we're using now and moving forward? Do you see any changes you can anticipate with either helping prepare the future of media or the way that we present and deliver media? I remember there was times where at WMUH, if you didn't have a DJ in the studio, you didn't have content. So that also runs into issues where students may be running late from class or we have DJs who have to hang on longer. I've only, I think maybe once or twice as an undergrad, I had to um, actually like turn off the transmitter at the end of the night because no one was coming in. It was just that time. Um, Now it's easy is that while it's not the same as having a live DJ, you can put on automation so people can still have content still have entertainment and music overnight. I think that's awesome that you can truly be a 24 seven, 365 station. The quality of remote connections is so much better. Um, I listen back to my demo tapes of calling football games and compare them to the demo tapes that students give me now. And it's amazing. We're having a great conversation right now, utilizing the internet and just going face to face. It's like we're in the same room. When I was at MUH and calling football, we used an old Comrex unit um, that had two inputs. Just recently, we just introduced a new one to the station at Ithaca College, and it has eight inputs, and it's about the same size, and it's also touchscreen, and you can mute microphones, and it just, it it allows everything to be smoother. The connection back then, um, I'll tell you a little bit of a story from calling a basketball game, and one of the trickiest things was you needed to connect using a a hardline phone signal, and it made it really tough because... Um, at that point, cell phones, I mean, a lot of people don't even have landlines anymore. At that point, it was pretty common to still have a landline and a uh, cell phone. In fact, I remember having one in my Prosser dorm. Going to these, a lot of these um, stadiums, especially at the D3 level where they have smaller press areas, smaller stadiums, smaller arenas, or um, I guess probably more appropriate to call them gymnasiums, not arenas. Um, but going to a lot of these places I didn't always have a reliable phone signal. And a lot of times I wouldn't even know if it was going to work until I got there. And I went to one at Haverford college and we were calling a basketball game and it was on a Wednesday night and it was tricky, especially during the week because classes would end so late. And then I had to drive there. And, and so I wasn't able to get there with a much time ahead of time, as much as I would like, like an hour ahead of time or what have you. So my ability to troubleshoot was very quick and limited and I just could not get through. That phone signal kept giving back a busy signal. It just wasn't active. Um, The only active one that they had at the time was in the locker room. So then I had to try to run a a huge long phone cable from the Comrex at courtside all the way around the bleachers into the locker room. It just didn't go far enough. So So what we ended up doing is I... I don't think we ever got on the air with it. And of course you have a DJ back in the studio who's panicking and trying to play music. And that doesn't really happen as much anymore. We gave it our best, but unfortunately it just, we couldn't get on the air that night. Now with your remote connection, you can connect through Wi-Fi, You can connect through ethernet. You can connect through phone line. And uh, I tell my students all the time now, when I send them out with this remote gear, there's no excuse. You should be able to connect. You should find a way. So you always test the, the hardline uh, Ethernet. If you can't connect that way, then try Wi-Fi. If you can't connect to their Wi-Fi, 
We have a jetpack that you can use to create your own Wi-Fi network. So we try different ways. So being able to get on the air as the kind of keep the show going is, is much easier now. And then once you are connected, it sounds, it just sounds very, very crisp. So the quality of microphones, the quality of equipment, everything is just a, a bit better than it, than it was previously. What would you recommend for people who want to pursue the type of work that you're doing? I think the biggest thing, anything with media or um, broadcasting is just get involved early and often. Going back to a, a point that I made earlier, repetition is so valuable, is just doing it. And Paul, I'm sure you can attest to that. It's just getting behind the mic, trying different things. Oh, this worked really well. This didn't work as well. What can I do better next time? And on top of that, it's also important to listen back to your work. One of the, the things that I did at Muhlenberg that I, uh, I guess, um, look back on and I kind of cringe at is I didn't listen back to my tape enough. I would, I would do the broadcast kind of, yep, it's done. And then I would drive home and that, that was it. And then I was done for the night. I really should have been listening back to the broadcast while I was driving back to campus or later that next day. The really, really good broadcasters in the industry they're constantly self-critiquing. That is so valuable. But then also, don't be afraid to ask someone else for, your, for advice. It's easy if you're a broadcaster because it's kind of like it's art and it's a, a talent-related thing and it's so competitive. Maybe at times that you feel maybe a little shy or a little nervous to share your work with others because you're afraid of what they might say or, oh, this didn't sound as good as it, it could have or different things. So maybe you're a little shy about it. Try to get past that shyness as much as possible. Put yourself out there a little bit. And for people in the industry or people who have a, a strong background, people like yourself, Paul, is students should be reaching out to you say, hey, can you take a listen to this because of the background that you have? Um, and I think that's important for anyone that if you think that they can offer some advice is don't be afraid to share your work. At least in my role as being a general manager of radio and TV stations, well, sports media was, was really where I got involved and my background is very heavy in sports radio. Um, it's also is maintaining all of your other interests. When I was at Muhlenberg College, I was actually involved all four years with the wind ensemble and the jazz ensembles on campus. So I always had a, a big interest in music. I hosted a music show that, uh, that great um, shooting star of a show my first year on campus. Um, but it's important to also maintain a lot of other different interests, whether that's culture, whether that's music, whether that's news. Um, if you are overseeing an entire radio station or entire media programs, it's important to have kind of a, a wide range of interests and an understanding of a lot of different things. Because while I originally went on the air uh, or aspired to be an on-air talent, um, I also made sure to also know what I was talking about and have a, a firm understanding of the technology side, of the ethics behind podcasting, behind... Um, the different avenues of being able to share your content. It's also great to have podcasts in your own app or be linked with organizations such as iHeartRadio and their listen app or tune in or um, streaming online and all these different platforms. It's funny going back to what you're saying, Paul, about how has technology changed? A radio station is no longer just a radio station. It's also a streaming platform uh, with audio on demand and a lot of different things. So if someone says, Hey, the station's down. It's like, which one? Is it the streaming? Is it the FM? Is it, it's, it's all those kind of things. But um, going back uh, to, to advice, it's get involved, ask for help, self-critique, and try to broaden your horizons as much as possible. 
This episode of 2400 Chew was produced, recorded, and engineered by me, Paul Kromposky, General Manager of WMUH-FM at the studios of WMUH Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.